Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. So uh, today we're going to be looking at John chapter 16, uh, and we're talking about this. I I don't think it's an introduction to the Holy Spirit in terms of the to the apostles, but it's one of the most concrete expressions that Jesus has. And that brought to mind the question uh, for Connor and I, and I'm asking you, the listeners, well, what was your exposure to talk about the Holy Spirit or teaching about the Holy Spirit in your formative years, your growing up years? So for me, I have a very, very different answer to you. Um, the Holy Spirit was not a bad word uh, in my in my formative experience in the church, but it also wasn't something that was pushed to the forefront. Um, it was kind of one of those things I, I feel like a lot of people had worked through a lot of um, a lot of toxic perspectives on 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 the Holy Spirit, and so they knew, hey, the Holy Spirit needs to be involved here, but we really don't know what that looks like or how to let that happen, um, and so. Uh, I was not like afraid of the Holy Spirit, but I also didn't feel like I was, I, I felt like when I really came, came kind of came of age in my faith around 18 or 19 years old, um, it was one of those areas that I kind of very clearly realized like, oh man, I am like super connected with Jesus. Like I just like everything about everything I read about him in the Bible, just like it connects to my innermost being and like my need for the father was so obvious. And so like it became a very clear thing like, Oh, I'm, I'm lacking this. And so there were a lot of experiences that I had. Um, and I still feel like there's, I'm still working through a lot of that. Um, I can't think of the the proper word, but the lack of training or the lack of education or just the lack of preparation, um, for recognizing the spirit, for inviting the spirit, for, um, living with the power of the spirit. Um, and so I'm still not where I would like to be. I'm still feel like there's a deficit between, um, between how much I lean on the father and how much, so there, there, so that's, that's the, um, that's the qualification that I have. Uh, but I remember I was going to a, um, to a concert in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, with my wife, Hannah. And it was a, uh, it was like the first couple months of our marriage and I was about twenty twenty one, and it was a Bethel music concert. And if you know anything about Bethel, there's a lot of bad things about Bethel. There's a lot of good things about Bethel, like every single church. Um, very charismatic, um, just completely drenched in, in that um, in that sphere. Um, and I, um, <laughs> uh, there was no, there was no like being slain in the spirit. There was no people like being called up to be healed in that moment. Um, but we had, we were going with a friend. And somebody just like at the very end, they were like, hey, we were praying backstage for healing. Is anybody like that just felt like feels like they were healed um, tonight, like through worship? And and my friend who was like not charismatic at all, um, he raised his hand. And I remember just being like, so like, like, I believe that can happen. But I was just so outrageously skeptical. I was so like I, I it was so hard for me not to interrogate him on the ride home. It's so hard for me not to be like, so what was hurting? what was healed. Do you still feel it? I didn't, I wanted to call him up a week later and be like, you know, what, how are you feeling now? What's happening? I wanted to get like the nitty gritty details. Um, but I remember for me, that was like a very, um, formative experience because one, I saw people like fully giving, um, they're all fully, um, just letting themselves go and worship to God. And then also I saw somebody that I trust claim that they have been healed by the spirit. 
And I, it took a long time, and still I examine what my motives were in my cyn- cynicism. Um, it was one of those things that I really, I dealt, I dwelled with that for a long time. Um, why was it so hard for me to believe that the Holy Spirit was 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 in that space and healing? Um, and yeah, just that question is is a is a big one for me. Um, and it's it's still it's still a really hard thing because I still. If somebody tells me they were healed and it's not some sort if, if somebody tells me like blatantly that they were healed, not just like a, hey, I got good scans, which I believe that's miraculous in itself. Um, my first reaction is to be skeptical. Um, and so one of the things I'm, I'm always trying to work on is I, I think sometimes having some healthy uh, skepticism and discernment is the better word for that is, is a good thing when, you know, analyzing claims of, of whatever of miracles. But I want to get to the place where um, some, when somebody tells me they were like miraculously healed. Um, my first response is not cynicism, but like rejoicing and excitement for that. So that that that's a brief but broad overview of uh, I, I meant to say the opposite. That's a very broad and not brief overview of of <laughs> of a lot of, of a few separate things of how I view the Holy Spirit. No, I thought that I thought that was a really good answer, and I think it is fascinating. There's about 25 years between us, and I I wonder if we are kind of like uh, classic representatives of our generational. Uh, cycle in my experience and interacting with people i was raised where the holy spirit um was really it was he wasn't discussed um he if if the holy spirit came up it was almost always in a reactive nature to somebody um abusing the holy spirit abusing the concept of the holy spirit um and so and there was a just a ton of stuff that went with that like like even if we were in public or in church for that matter and somebody said uh, praise God, like they're like, hey, this beautiful thing happened, you know, praise God, we'd be like, oh, weirdo. You know, I mean, it was treated like, what's wrong with them, you know? And it's just that expression we we felt, I was raised in a, in a culture that felt very, very comfortable not thinking about mystical things, not overstepping our bounds and giving credit to God when we didn't know for sure. And, you know, it, it had really, it, it had very much become a faith of, of externals and human effort, Um and so that I'm not suggesting God wasn't involved. I am suggesting certainly the way I took that on was there's no active um, involvement of God or God's spirit in my everyday life. It's about, hey, the Holy Spirit brought me the word of God. Now I need to obey it. And that's that's all I've got is you better keep obeying it, which led to a, a, basically an environment of guilt uh, and hiding. Uh, and so there was real consequence to not believing that God was active in our everyday life. And certainly, the way he presents his activity is the Holy Spirit, and so and there's a great irony. And I remember coming of age, just noticing why does it talk so much, especially in the Book of Acts, like the one representation of post Jesus. It's the only narrative we have of that, and like the Holy Spirit is so obvious and evident. And then it's killed me in in you know more recent readings. I'm like it's like every six verse has the Holy Spirit reference, and I'm like how how did we do that so for me it's been a great awakening i just criticize them and say go back to your bible <laughs> yeah exactly but for me it's a great awakening i mean coming to the church i'm at now um they had done some real processing of this 20 years prior to my arrival and um they talked in a way that was fascinating to me and it was a middle ground i i, I basically had hey we don't talk about the spirit at all or we give we worship the spirit, and actually not the spirit. We worship the gifts of the spirit in an unhealthy way. And so I that. only experienced those two extremes. And so before I came to this church, I, it was hard for me to – I felt like it was this binary. You know, you have to choose one or the other. 
You know, either the Holy Spirit, basically God is a deist. He set things in motion. He gave you his book. Now it's on, you're on your own. Or you are constantly obsessed with the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Like you're, like people will say, you're, you're not even saved until you've spoken in tongues. You're not even saved until you've had these certain gifts. Uh, and so that's what I was raised with. So finding that, that middle, to me, biblical ground, uh, it, is, it is hard fought. And I think you're right. I feel like certainly the community, because we were raised in similar, or the last 20 years we've been in similar communities, um, we respect him. We see him as uh, the Holy Spirit. We see him as as a part of the Godhead, an equal part of the Godhead. But we also recognize this this uh, ineptness, ineptitude uh, of of walking with him. Like it's a learning piece. And and the thing that that you said this, and I thought it was a good distinction: skepticism and discernment. Discernment means you're looking for the truth, and skepticism means I'm defending my point of view. And I think that's what I had an unhealthy level of skepticism. And I mean, basically, if somebody says I'm a healer, I was at, I was performing a funeral uh, a couple weeks ago, and one of the people said, you know, they had the gift of healing, um, and um, and so my immediate thought was, then why are we at a funeral? <laughs> you know, if you cared about this person, but I I didn't go there. But my I had to really walk back this idea. I don't know if he does or doesn't. It, it's irrelevant whether he does or doesn't. My job is to encourage him to move closer to Jesus. And at the end yeah. of the funeral, he, he came up and said, man, you've really encouraged me to study my Bible. And I said nothing about healing during the funeral. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, God, that's you. That's my little tiny part in your work in this guy's life. And it does me no good to start the relationship by saying, you can't do this. Or that did not happen, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, any more than than I would want somebody to start that conversation off with me because the end of, end of the day he's an all powerful God he can do whatever he wants uh, I need to stay in my lane in that regard and say here's my experience yes here's what I believe but it does no good for me to go tear down somebody else's faith and it certainly doesn't make them think man I want to be with this person and have them teach me so yeah. so that's that's where the danger really comes is when you become unteachable because of your skepticism. So yeah, I think, I think that discernment is the word, number one, the word I see you practice. And number two, the word I want to keep growing into because I'm the opposite where I accept everything, Mm. you know, and I've had to become, so it's knee jerk when I reject anything, which it's never good when it's knee jerk. Just that's a PSA. (laughs) If it's knee jerk, it's probably not good. Uh, So yeah, so no, that's, that's really fascinating to me. And it, it makes me happy that your perspective is so different than mine. Um, and I'm hopeful for the generations to come, you know, that that will be that way. Starting in verse 12 of John chapter 16. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, Jason, um, what amazes you about this? The thing that amazes me is the clarity and the confidence Jesus had. If I were in Jesus' shoes, we're back to skepticism, I would, I would constantly, I would be in a, a panicked prayer mode all the time. God, please help these guys grow up. Please help these guys grow up, you know? And he hasn't even gone to Gethsemane yet where they fail him there. I mean, potentially more than ever. But just based on the track record, I'd be like, they're not ready. They are not ready for this. But he is so at peace with this. And he's just told them, if you, if you have time, go back and read those first 11 verses. But he just told them, like, people are, you're, you're moving into a space, guys, that, 
man, people are going to think they're doing God's will when you're when you're murdered. When they kill you, they're like, praise God, like they're saying a prayer while they kill you thinking they're doing God's will. I mean, this is terrifying. And Jesus is so confident of the Holy Spirit. Like he's not second guessing himself. He's not like, like we constantly are like, can we do God's work? I don't know. I don't know. Look at all, look at all my habitual sin and look at all the, my, you know, all the mistakes I've made. And Jesus is like, calm down. You know, he should be the most apprehensive of all, because how is this going to reflect on him where he spent, you know, solid time? I mean, he can't say, well, you know, they had all these other influences. They've been with him functionally day in and day out for, for a couple years now, at least. And I mean, he's about to be betrayed and he has some sense of that. He's about to be denied. You know, he has a sense of that. And yet he's so confident, like his peace and confidence in the Holy Spirit. And and what's interesting here is he describes the Holy Spirit's work exactly like he described his work back in, I think it's John 5, where he's like, I don't do anything unless God tells me. He's saying the same thing. You know, you should have confidence, as much confidence with the Spirit as you have with me. And in another place, he said, functionally, you're going to do more. So you should have even more confidence. And that's the irony is we want Jesus with us. And he's like, you don't need me with you. Like even that idea, man, I, I want to I wanna imagine Jesus walking right with me. And I, I don't want to take away any comfort or blessing that would be. But Jesus saying, you're missing the point if you wish I was here physically with you. Mm-hmm. Because I, my confidence is that the spirit, he's going to do more than I did. And I think that is that is shocking to me, especially coming from where I've come from. Man, I think you, you brought up that story about the funeral that you were at a couple weeks ago. And I think about when you hear somebody like, you know, somebody say, hey, I'm a healer and you are trying to discern whether that's the truth or not the truth. And you just, okay, you know what? I'm I'm going to trust God. I'm trust the spirit. I'm trust him and just, and, and assume and assume that God is doing something and working through something. And if I have a small part to play in what I say on stage, then, you know, awesome. And I'm going to trust the spirit. That's all in good. But if you knew, Hey, that guy that maybe he, you know, maybe he reads his Bible all the time. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have a good idea of what a healer would look like in terms of, in terms of the gifts of the gifts of the Holy spirit. Um, that guy's going to be one of the main leaders in the, in, in the church come like a few months from now, suddenly that those stakes are a lot larger. Like it's it, when you want to say like, okay, I'm going to trust the spirit when you're not sure, like, okay, like is, is this person getting the right teaching or am I saying the right thing? It's, 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 it's relative. It's not easy. Um, but it's a lot easier to be like, it's a lot easier to do that, to trust in the setting that we have than it does to trust in the setting that Jesus has, um, that the stakes are so massive, like you said. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things, I don't know how I didn't put this together, and maybe this is what amazes me. I don't know how I didn't put this together before, um, because the statement has always seemed so outrageous, you talk, you talked about, um, that, you know, you will do even greater things. That statement has always seemed outrageous and crazy, and honestly, if I'm being honest, like, if I'm being honest, it feels wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the disciples are direct evidence that this is the truth. I mean, complete, and they get plenty of things wrong afterwards, but just complete knuckleheads that do not get it. They are in the presence of Jesus all the time. And yet their lives pre, pre-resurrection and post-resurrection, you know, pre, um, pre the spirit and, you know, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. I mean, they're direct evidence of the truth that Jesus speaks here. And that is just like, I want now, now I'm wondering here, like, is like I've always focused on on the obtuseness of so many of the disciples are not getting it um, when what Jesus is trying to point to. He's not trying to point to their their lack of ability to be teached. 
he's trying to point to the fact of what life is like when you don't have the spirit. Um, and that is such a, just a drastic, more just beautiful picture of what, um, of what is going on in the lives of the disciples, then I guess I usually, how I usually think about it. You connecting it to that conversation I had with that guy is so powerful to me and so jarring. Why do I not think that he has the ability to heal? Well, I've never seen it myself. I, I don't believe he's really connected to Jesus in the way I would think about it. He, by his own admission, he never reads the Bible. Um, he just, he's missing a lot of stuff. Well, that's literally the job description that the apostles, they, they hadn't seen it themselves, and we, we certainly hadn't seen it in them. Like, if we're watching the apostles and we don't think ahead, we are there when, I, I just, I will always beat this dead horse, but we are there when they're going to the ascension and they still believe that he's going to establish a kingdom like David had on earth, not spiritual, but physical. They still are struggling to believe in Jesus. You know, it says they doubted. Um, they, they are days away from blowing it in every conceivable way. You know, there is no reason to have confidence that they're going to turn that around, especially so quickly. They clearly don't have good awareness. They clearly are, are missing a lot of stuff. I mean, it is this guy to a T and if I'm honest, it's me to a T, but, but I think, well, I'm more far, farther along because based on my criteria, I'm hitting it, but we don't realize we all have different criteria. But what right do I have to look at the apostles and say, I believe they can do this and look at this man and say, but not him. I mean, that is complete, utter arrogance. And it's it's specifically a rebuttal of the fact that God does what God wants to do. That I'm God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, but not this guy because he doesn't come from the church I came from or he's saying words in a different way. I, I was with somebody the other day who who is from my heritage and I, I had done something and, and after it was done, he goes, brother, that was anointed. And I immediately <laughs> thought, this guy is in trouble. This guy's you know? out there. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, I respect <laughs> this guy fully. He used a word I don't use. In, instead of saying that's awesome, he'd say, man, I, I would say, man, I really think God was working in that. That's all he just said. But he used the wrong word. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I find myself in judgment of him. Mm. How dare I? I mean, that is so spitting in the face of God, you know. But it's how I was raised. I mean, it's how good Christians call it because it's cowardly not to say you're not saying something I agree with. Yeah. And I'm like, that is not Jesus teaching. Yeah. And the fact that Jesus so often goes without, he does sometimes, but so often goes without direct, uh, correction and like sometimes even goes without direct rebuke of of just some of the the silliness that the apostles have pre-resurrection i think about like for him is his perspective like man the glory that the holy spirit is going to get when this is redeemed when um they are able to repent when they're able to you know see what they are supposed to see the glory the holy spirit receives and through him <laughs> that i receive is going to be so much more magnified than if i you know, sat sat you down face to face, knees touching, and said, "I will not establish this. Get it through your thick skull." Like that's what I—that's how I would go about things. But Jesus has this other perspective of of what um, <laughs> has this other perspective of, "Hey, I can I can try to nail that through their head. I can try to beat that deep down into them." And in some ways, he does. 
the important thing for, for Jesus seems to be not that his disciples have every single fact directly down into their brain, but that he is setting them up to be in a place where they have to rely on the Spirit and will rely on the Spirit. Yeah, I, I just think that right there is the answer to all of our problems. <laughs> it's like if I'm depressed and I really rely on the Spirit, it does change things, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not suggesting if, if you're depressed that medication is... I think the Spirit uses medication. I think the Spirit leads us to therapists. I think oh, this is part of the whole thing because he doesn't think in terms of secular and spiritual. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that attitude of thinking the Spirit's going to work. And if the Spirit... The, the Spirit only works with my vocabulary, with my way of doing things, with the way... Like, I've seen the Holy Spirit work in this way. And so this is the only way that it can happen. And right. if it's not... If it's happening outside of that, you know, then it can't possibly be of the Spirit. Um and that is just such a silly thing when you think about it. When you think about all the diverse things that the Spirit does in the book of Acts um, through different people, uh, you like you just can't come away. If you read that honestly, you can't come away and think, oh, okay, everybody is going to have this. The, the Spirit will manifest in all of us in the exact same way. You, like, you just can't read the Bible honestly and think that's how it's going to happen. I, I totally agree. And I, I think this, I hope this conversation sticks with me very deeply uh, because I still have that knee jerk. I still have that, oh, you used a term, a phrase, a concept that I'm not comfortable with. So now, instead of me saying, hey, God, what do you want to teach me? I'm not suggesting everything somebody says becomes my rule book or yeah. not at all. On the contrary, you, you do need to be discerning at all times. But it's that idea of, of discernment means you're teachable. And skepticism in its purest sense means you're done. Like, they're going to have to prove it to you, meaning they're going to have to overcome your barriers. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the time, they're not going to. I don't know any skeptic that you overcome their barriers based on that conversation. Now, you may plant a seed, and years later, it comes up. But that idea of, if I'm a disciple, I'm teachable, I don't have a right to sit in the skeptic's chair. I do need to have discernment, which means, hey, God, I just heard this concept. I'm not comfortable with it. Will you just teach me whatever it is you want to teach me? And it may be he teaches you, hey, what you already know, I'm confirming it. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea of moving to a state of being unteachable. That means you're not growing, and that means you are doing the opposite of what the Holy Spirit and Jesus did, meaning I listen for God and I act on that. I don't say, did we do this yesterday? Have I ever seen this before? Because that right there is limiting the Spirit in the very ways that Jesus says. That's really good. It's treating the Holy Spirit like how we like to treat the Bible, like, like you talked about, like how some people— how there's a certain heritage that loves to treat the Bible like a deist would, that God wound up the world and wound up the Bible, and now we just, you know, it, it's all just really easy and set forward. I feel like a lot of us would look at that idea as like, no, that's 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 not reality, but we treat the Holy Spirit the same way, that the Holy Spirit has done his work in me. Like, he's he you know, he resides in me, but he he's given me all the right languages. I just have to get it right. I have to just say that. I just have to do, um, I just have to, like, you know, like stop misbehaving and then, and then it will all work out. There's there's so many ways I could go and we could keep having this conversation. But I don't know if um, if I touched on exactly what amazes me. Yeah, so I think what, what amazes me is, is right in verse 12 um, is Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Um, I love, I, I, one, the way that Jesus communicates to his disciples is so incredible. The fact that he is not wrapped up in this exact moment, he's wrapped up in in, in the future, in, in here and now, and in the future, and and, and for all time to us here, two thousand years later. Um, but he does not he does not put weight um, on the disciples. Like he's not putting weight on the disciples here 
that he knows like he's he knows that they're not going to get it he knows that they're not going to be able to to bear up under it and that is just um that recognition is so um i think it's just it's real it's a really beautiful picture to me that he understands these these people that he's been with he knows how they work um and it would be so easy to be like you're not going to get it because you're a bunch of dummies and uh you know eventually the holy spirit will come and sort you all out but like there's there's some compassion here there's some um there's some grace in in that when I, when mostly me and sometimes you like to make fun of the disciples for not getting it or not understanding it, um, there just seems to be some, um, just to be some compassion in, in their limited ability to fully receive what Jesus is giving them. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. That, that human factor standing there, sitting there in that circle as he's talking to them, um, that is hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, my sense is they're either on the way to Gethsemane here or they're at Gethsemane. I know they've left already. You know, they just he washed their feet and now they're moving through the, this last evening with him in this way. And um, so I'm not sure how how that context is. And it actually makes me feel a little bit better if it's all dark. And they can't <laughs> see his face or he can't see theirs. But, yeah, I mean, he has told them for the first time he has told them without any doubt this is going to be rough. This mm-hmm. is going to be really rough and you're going to be OK and there is a real beautiful message in not sugarcoating it and not saying, hey, you know, it's not that bad or, you know what I mean? Don't mm-hmm. don't worry about this. You know, this is going to be hard, harder than you can imagine. I mean, it's funny because I wonder if in their minds, which is more scary, the thought of being killed and people singing, you know, Alleluia while they're doing <laughs> it or the thought of being put out of the synagogue because that was their life flow. Yeah. You know, that that is horrifying. I mean, just imagine if you're like, hey, you can no longer visit your favorite place, you know, the place that you love the most. With, the assumption, with the assumption that like, hey, we will be the synagogue. Like we're like, this is where it's all heading. Is it like this place that I love? Like we're going to be leading it. We're going to be the ones in charge. And to go from that to no, you don't even you don't get to be here. Yeah, that is. That is. And so I do think there's kindness. And, and of course, it's it's more than this. If you stretch it back out and you start in chapter 14 and go through chapter 17, uh, Jesus has a lot of compassion because he just said, hey, I'm preparing a place for you and this kind of thing. And he's like, so there, the future is going to be good. You're going to be OK. And then now I'm saying in the moment, you know, so it is true reassurance. And again, and you've made this point multiple times in the past, this is an incredibly stressful time for Jesus. He is just moments away from saying, all right, you, you eight, yeah, you eight stay here and you three come with me and then I'm going further and nobody's going to stay up with me and then I'm going to be beaten and all this stuff's happening. So this is not, he's already predicted this, but it's one thing to say, here's how life is going to go. It's another thing to do the living of it and be right on the edge of this. So for him to have compassion at this point, stunning. I mean, it just really is. Oh yeah. That's I'm glad you drew that out because I do think I think, man, when I'm in stress, the number one thing is I want to be seen. I want to be understood. And we've talked about that before. Um, but even <laughs> like this, this seems like one of the last opportunities that he's going to get. And yet he still is focused on on having that compassion for them, which is just, um, it, you know, I'll just give Jesus credit. He's a pretty good guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> all of this study has led us to this conclusion. Jesus, Jesus is a pretty good guy. He's a pretty swell man. <laughs> he's a pretty swell man, God. Um, he's a good fellow. So, Jason, what perplexes you? Yeah, what I, I was looking for something else, but this is so shouting at me. It just is mind blowing. The mental gymnastics you have to do to make this not apply to Christians today. Because in my conversations with people, when I say, hey, we don't need to worry about this because the Spirit will guide us into all truth, or, you know, we don't need to worry about this because, you know, the Spirit is hearing from God 
and he's going to advocate for us. We can stop stressing about, oh, did that sin condemn me? Or does Jesus still feel the nails every time I fail? You know, these kind of stress reactions. And what it comes down to, they say, well, this was for the apostles and not for us. And the challenge is, if you if you're trying to distinguish that, like make a difference, there's no break in 14 through 17. So you have to you have to make it, well, then he's not preparing a place for us then, you know, mm-hmm. which is talked about in 14, or he's not the vine and we're the branches. Like, how can you make this universal? And no, this is just for them. And what happens is you have because this is not the first time he's referenced the spirit. You have to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in Scripture that would lead you to say, oh, this is just for the apostles and this is just this is for everybody except for preconceived notions, except for bias. You know, he is so direct here. And and that just makes me um, the perplexing thing is on, on a more personal level. How much do I do that? Mm-hmm. In, not in the same way, maybe, but that well, that was the apostles deal. Yeah. Like the thought of me being killed while everybody sings Kumbaya is just uh, no, that won't happen to me. You know what I mean? I need to get a pass on this because this is way after and this kind of thing. So I'm I'm perplexed at my own ability to think I have a pass on this stuff that so I'm perplexed by other people thinking it's different, but then I'm like, no, it's the same and I'm like, well, is it the same, Jason? Yeah. <laughs> uh because I don't want this. I don't want to be put out e- even how much do I not do that the devil or the devil that the spirit there's a Freudian slip there <laughs> Oof. that 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 the spirit may be directing me in but I don't want to do it because that will that will separate me from the mainstream church you know or my job or you know what is it that God is trying to prompt me in that would be much more beautiful for me and for the kingdom but I'm like but what if the church what if my church says hey we can't go there with you mm-hmm. you know and I've I have taken comfort in a lot of my convictions my particular church does if not agree with they're open to to learning and 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 taking in and we can absorb it slowly and i feel that's of god to absorb things slowly but are there things he's like jason you're still you're still basically doing the same thing as the people that bother you by saying well it's different because they were the apostles Mm. no that's really good that that make that that gives me a lot to think about yeah i guess i guess what perplexes me is is we talked a little bit about it um i think in amazement or maybe in our little pre-question um but it is just how how not serious or how little um power or credit we give the holy spirit um i mean just the things that jesus talks about here leading into all truth um and the fact that in other parts he'll you know he'll talk about the holy spirit that he will um you know through through his power through trusting him through you know him living in us will do even greater things than you know what we could have done with jesus with, with jesus and so yeah, I guess I guess for me it, the perplexing thing is how, how is how come this isn't more exciting? Like how is it how how come this is more of a challenge for me and not good news? How come this is something that like like as opposed to like something I'm like this is really awesome and I can't like what what an amazing new thing to accept into my life. Here's a dumb analogy that doesn't that isn't a good analogy. But if you came to me and were like, "Hey, Connor, I've got this new diet. Um, it's a special kind of pizza that makes you lose weight. Like, and like, <laughs> I have proof. It's here, and you look fantastic, and you have a six pack. And I was like, Connor, I swear, I eat pizza. It's it's amazing. Have this. It's cheap and great. Like, that's not a challenge to adapt. That's like good news. Um, but if you're like, Hey, Connor, here's a really here's a way to lose weight. You have to work out. Um, you can't eat too many calories. You can't have too much sugar. Like, 
okay, yeah, like that's a good thing to do, but that's that's a challenge. That's really hard. And yeah, I feel like that's how I view the Holy Spirit so much. I feel like I view the Holy Spirit like, yeah, there's a lot of good things that come along with the Holy Spirit with with trusting him and and, and living with him. And um, But man, okay, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. As opposed to that excitement of like, okay, yeah, maybe I have to sacrifice some things. I have to, you know, I have to sacrifice my will and what I want. As a But I, I, I have to sacrifice what I want and my will. Um, and yet I do feel like how I want to feel more is that excited, like the accepting, I want to be, I want to have more of an experience. I want to have more of a, um, of a experience of excitedness for this as opposed to how do I work to it? Um, and so, yeah, just how that's developed in me, um, and why it's, why it is the way it is. I have guesses. I have thoughts on why that is, um, but man, I I just want to get to a place where this is good news to accept as opposed to a challenge to overcome. Yeah, that is that is so convicting. I fear for me. I mean, because it's like, yeah, look at the apostles, and I'm like, I don't want to live those lives. Plus, they're not married; they don't have kids. I mean, well, maybe Peter was. Who knows? But but uh, you know, actually, he was because Paul said, "Can I take a wife like the apostles?" I guess so. There we go. Um, but I. Uh, we don't, it's not chronicled, you know, maybe that's why the apostles initially stayed in Jerusalem while everybody else was scattered is they had families <laughs> to deal with. And that's why they weren't serving on tables because they were studying and praying and, you know, leading their families. Uh, yeah, that is really frightening because a lot of times, well, think about it. I don't know how many missionary couples you knew before they were missionary couples or missionary families, but so many of them are like, yeah, we, we didn't necessarily want to do this, but we just felt this urging by the Holy Spirit, and he brought everything together. And, and see, I can say that in my life where I'm thinking, man, the Holy Spirit did these things. I would not be here other than the Holy Spirit provoking me and not letting me rest on some things where it would have been much easier to do it my way. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it because I think I should. You know, um, I think he's leading me in that way. But it, you don't hear a lot of people talking that, talking that way. You know, I went to the grocery store today because the Holy Spirit led me to. And, of course, then we're like, charismatic, weirdo. You know, that, that's just me, you know. And then I have to walk it back. They're not weird. They may not even be charismatic. That may be the Holy Spirit, you know. But it, but it is that feel of usually when people say it, it's because, and that's how I left my whole career and my financial security and became a missionary to Bangladesh. And it's so it is that fear. And I need to be clear. I, I don't doubt it. You know, I'm not doubting the Holy Spirit led them to Bangladesh or wherever. Um, but I think it does minimize the Holy Spirit leading people to their neighbor across the street or putting them in a place at a certain time, you know. And so I when I think about it, I'm really going to walk with the spirit, there's this strike of fear. And the way how you said it was perfect. Uh, this is work. If I'm going to really trust the Spirit, I'm going to end up potentially on a cross, maybe upside down. If I'm really going to trust the Spirit, I'm going to end up being super uncomfortable all the time because we're told these stories again and again of people choosing to trust God when their life was a disaster area that was the result of them thinking he was leading them. And and I believe they were leading him, but still, that, that produces a lot of con- conflicted thinking in me when I think, hey, I want to be free to walk with the Spirit. So that is, that is a real growth point to think, okay, I want to get to a place where when I hear this, it is like resounding good news. And when I think, hey, the Holy Spirit's leading me today, whew. Yeah, well, I think about what it would be like for the disciples to hear this, um, hear what this is going to be like beforehand. And I'm like, man, that's just like, that 
that seems like a lot. We have you, Jesus, like you're kind of taking care of things. You're going to like make everything, you know, good and, and right. And we're going to be, you know, super successful in this new thing that you're doing. Um, and I think before it would have been like, I don't know, what does that even look like? What is this? What are the, that's just weird. There's, there's a whole other element. Jesus, like, can we just kind of keep us, you know, keep it the way it is. But then afterwards when they're, you know, in the upper room and they don't know what they're going to do, like how much more relieving that is and how much more um, of an accepting that is as opposed to a challenge. Uh, and so I think that that speaks a lot to um, one, are we in a situation where to, th to thrive, to survive, to live, we are putting ourselves in a situation where we have to have the spirit. Um, and two, when we find ourselves in that situation to, um, to truly live, um, are we turning to the spirit? Are we turning, are we turning to him? And I think that that's just one of those really, those really hard, um, hard realities of this is how it works with God. Generally speaking for most of us is when things have gone off the rails and there's no other possible way, we're going to rely on God to get us back to, you know, some semblance of, of how we think life should be. Um, and then he takes us on a crazy cool path and we're really happy about where we end up. Um, but then when we feel like we can get it back under control and start driving again, I just use, I think a train and a car metaphor, um, in the, in a run on sentence, which is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but when we get to that point, then we're like, okay, now I can take back the wheel or I can take back the, uh, the conductor hat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think there, there's, there is something to be said here of, of where we find ourselves in life, where we find ourselves in life is going to determine a lot of how how we view how we view what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. And I think the beautiful thing um, is that Jesus understands that, and that God understands understands that. And that that's a that for me is a is a good place to leave um, to leave my spirit because like I can feel very down. Like man, this is, I I want I want this to be an accepting. I want this to be more of an excited acceptance. I want to. Um, fully always rely on it and it but it just feels like this big weight and, and all these these things come against me um, and I feel the shame and guilt uh, and I feel like Jesus um, Jesus would just look at me and be like hey, I understand I know where you're at I know I, I know what has led you to this point I know where you need to be and that's with the spirit and so yeah there's a, there's a whole other sort of thing there's a whole other line of things that we could we could go and talk about um, for a long time and I'm sure we will at some point um, and so this was not an exhaustive conversation on the Holy Spirit because you can't do that in 40 minutes. Um, but I think it was it was good for us because it's something that we haven't got a chance to, to really dive into. And um, now that we had this conversation, I'm like, man, why didn't we have more? Why, why haven't we done this more? Um, right. But anyways, we appreciate you listening. We'd love to hear how the Spirit's working in your life. Um, maybe how the Spirit has um, revealed some things. Maybe maybe this podcast, maybe the Holy Spirit working in Jason and I has done something for you. And if that's the case, man, we'd love to hear about that. Grace, peace, and love.